Welcome to Rome Cuny Bible Church, where we desire to become a worshiping community of grace and truth by sharing the love of Christ locally and globally. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2 today, so if you want to get your Bibles turned there, Acts chapter 2. And then, just so you're aware and you're in the loop, next week we get back into Ephesians. So just to help you get prepared, um, and if you kind of are like, I forgot all that we've studied uh, and what we read, read the book of Ephesians again, okay? So just do it one sitting, four chapters, you could do that, and just sit there and read it and just be, ask the Holy Spirit to teach you, uh, maybe even questions you have, but just be prepared as we go through the book of Ephesians, and we'll have that. So, And I, I also want to take a moment, I, I haven't publicly got to say thank you all for just blessing my family and I with our Christmas gift from the church, so thank you. Um, we're really blessed, and just God is perfect in how he provides, and, and everything worked out, but I just want to say thank you guys for, for your gift. Um, we're going to pray, and then we'll get started. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. Um, I ask that you uh, would just speak to us now. We humbly come before your word. Holy Spirit, bring it to light. Very familiar passage, but very timely, just to help us in this year. Lord, I don't know what you have planned this year, but we trust you and you're good. We come expectantly saying, God, you are good and great. We desire for the gospel to go out as a church. But I also pray that you stir within us the spiritual disciplines we need to grow, to desire, to be in awe of you, God. Thank you that you are steadfast in love. It's from everlasting to everlasting, God, that you're patient with us. Thank you, God. And so as we come to your word, would you speak to us and teach us Would you unite our hearts together as a church to God? Thank you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I was doing some work the other day outside in our backyard, and all of a sudden I heard this thump into the glass. And I'm like, what was that? It was like a small finch that just flew really fast into the glass. And I was like, oh, ouch. You know, you see that. And the bird kind of fell, but it came back and it was just hovering in front of the glass, like almost like it wanted to do it again, like didn't learn its lesson. And then I'm like, okay, and then it stopped. And then it flew really fast, fast and went to another window. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that bird. You know, I was thinking though, how many of us are like that bird? We're just in a hurry, going around until thump, something gets our attention just to slow us down. To, we need to be reoriented, you know. That's kind of how I feel like sometimes as a church. So we're moving, we're going, and there's good things. Maybe there's not some good things, but we're just fast. Life is fast. Can I tell you as a pastor, something that I always tell people, Sunday's coming. You know why? Because Sunday's coming. You know what that means as a pastor? There's going to be this continual thing like, hey, there you go. There's a message. There's work. Sunday's coming. Well, you have to stop and just slow down and say, Lord, sometimes we need that thump just to stop. And I kind of want to just focus on as a church, what are we called to do? These are things that I bet every one of us in this room, those are listening, is that we're called to do and we know this and we can say, yeah, here's what we do. But I want it to be somewhat of a self-evaluation time for you guys, okay? And also a challenge in the sense of like, 
what does God desire for us to know him? What he lists in his word is not out of obligation. I hope you know that, and I hope you've learned that, and I hope you've seen that. The walk of a Christian is not one of obligation, but out of joy. That God invites us, he invites you to know him, to abide in him. That's a great thing. And so today, that's my goal, and my hope is that we would just come to that place, and maybe this is that thud you need I don't know what your week looked like or your month or your last five years, but we sometimes need those. I know I do. I'm thankful for God and his working in my life and in your life. What is a church? You know, on one hand, we use the word in that phrase, the church, in many ways. For example, you could drive by and say, I drove by the church. So we're talking about a physical building, a a location, an address, and we're saying, I'm going to the church. But we know that when we talk about a defining the church, that's not what we mean in a biblical sense. Professor Greg Allison, he defines the church as the people of God who have been saved through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, have been incorporated into the body through baptism with the Holy Spirit. Based on that definition, we know that believers are the church. So another way to look at it is, can we still be the church if we were outside gathering? Yes. If something were to happen to the building and we were forced to meet somewhere else, are we still the church? Yes. There's many Christians who gather around the world in places that you wouldn't think is like, oh, that doesn't look like a church building, but it could be a home or being underground or whatever the case may be. But it's a church, the body of believers coming together The New Testament uses this phrase to define the church, ekklesia, in Greek. And it's used over 109 different times in the New Testament, with it meaning specifically about the gathering of the saints or the believers coming together. That's what we see. So when we have to define things, we can say the church is us coming together. We need to have that, the assembly meeting together. That's why the church is different than any other gathering of people. You could gather together with a group of people that like the same sports team, but that's not the same as the church. The church is different than a gathering of like-minded people for an assembly or rally as they're roaring or roaring together for like-mindedness. The church is more than that. The church is not a club and you have to pay your dues. The church is more than that. The church is not an association in which you all contribute. No, it's more than that. The danger is sometimes when we view the church like one of those places. The concert or the sporting event. The assembly or the rally. The club. No, that's not the church. I love how Paul defines the church by saying those who are in, who remembers from Ephesians, who are in Christ. Remember, he uses that to define a Christian. Those who are in Christ. Right there, he's saying to be the church for those who are in Christ means you're united with Jesus and you're not united with one another. What a great thing to think through is that that's the church. We're in Christ. 
That's why we go gather together, and that's why Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says we do not neglect meeting together because that's about us in unity. When we neglect meeting together, we're neglecting the body of saints or the local body coming together. See, it's having our mindset off of me and about we. That's the church. It's not about just you. The danger is we become consumers instead of contributors. The body of Christ is us coming together. It's meeting the needs to edify the body. We edify one another when you do that, you know it's not about yourself, but about others. And yet you and yourself get to be edified in it. The local church meets together as we reach the lost through evangelism, meaning we're on mission together. We're going in the same direction to reach the lost. If you turn to Acts chapter 2, and just our few verses for today, comes after Jesus gathers the disciples he ascends to heaven. He tells them to await the Holy Spirit because they're going to receive power. So what was the purpose of them to have the Holy Spirit to fill them, to empower them was to what? Who remembers? To make disciples. To be witnesses. So they're waiting and they're praying. Then comes the day of Pentecost. Holy Spirit descends upon them. Peter gives a sermon. And then we get this little snippet of like the early church gathering. Verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship through the breaking of bread and the prayers. Verse 43, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Verse 46, and day by day, attending to the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. If we could just spend some time looking at this as reminders for us. First, notice in verse 42, it says, and they. It's plural. It wasn't just, and Peter devoted themselves, or John devoted himself, plural. The church is made up of the body of believers. I know it should go without saying, but the church consists of people, not just individuals, but a body. Um, here we read that the church devoted themselves to God's word, to being with one another, Lord's Supper, prayer, and they were in awe of God. That's just it. They worshiped together. They were in awe of God. They did stuff together. Throughout the New Testament, you'll see different examples of the church. Like, it's a building. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. The church is the building. Uh, the body of believers, us. Or the vine, the vine dresser, there's that connection. But again, multiple. Uh, the body. Jesus is the head. We are many members. There's just this example, or God's a father, we are his ch children, co-heirs with Christ. Again, it's made up in this way to show that there's this unit that we come together. I don't know if you've ever talked with someone and they said, well, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. I have. And I'm like, true, 
Because how one's saved isn't saying because going into church saves you, just like going into your garage makes you have a Ferrari. I was going to say a different one, like eating a donut makes you a cop, but I didn't want to. So <laughs> for other reasons. So, Yoo-hoo. so, but we know that's true. But there is something specific in Scripture that says, do not neglect meeting together. That there's this point that we're called to come together. And it's not just one time a year, or you may be the CEO Christian, Christmas, Easter, and other days. You know, like, like, it's only those days, Christmas and Easter. Like, no, it's more than. There's this longing for. I long to come back when I was on my trip to be with you. And I'm not saying that to get like the kudos, like, oh, thanks, Pastor. No, it's like, that's the genuineness of the body of Christ. One is saved by God's grace. We know that. And so you can come to church and not be a Christian. But there's something very specific for the Christian that should not neglect meeting with other believers. I would rather ask why. Granted, there could be a plethora of reasons, like they were hurt by the church at one point, and so they're kind of hard, they're guarded, they don't want to go back into that place. But sometimes I think they're like, are you just a consumer, and you're not a contributor? You actually rob yourself of the joy of being with one another, of serving the Lord Yes, the New Testament points to an authority structure within the body of Christ. Jesus is the chief shepherd. He's placed his elders and shepherds to be the under-shepherds or overseers. But there's also this leveling of the playing field that, let's just use myself as an example, I'm called as pastor, elder, but amongst us, I'm also your brother. Like, that's what's great about this. Jesus is the chief shepherd. I try to wonder... Why someone doesn't want to go to church. Because if you define the church as a body of Christ coming together, there is specific authority that's in place, just like God, who is our authority. But I love it. Our church is made up of different ages, different backgrounds, different life stages, if you will, and seasons of life. The diversity is great because that's the body of Christ, how we're all one. Wanted to be with you. I remember something very specific. This was just when my mom died. It was on a Sunday, actually a Super Bowl Sunday. I was getting ready. I was going to preach. I was getting like literally almost ready to go out the door, and my dad calls me. And I knew my mom was in the hospital, but I didn't know like how serious it was. And then he said, "Hey, she's she's not going to make it. She's going to die." And I remember just wailing, like crying. And Alyssa overheard it all, and she calls Mike right away. And she's like, hey, Mike, here's what's going on. So he got ready. He's like, I'll preach. Don't worry. But can I tell you, like, I wanted to go see my mom. And when I found out, like, I couldn't go out right away, like, there wasn't a flight right then and there, I came here. Because I wanted to worship the Lord with my church family. Yeah, there was that personal side that was like, I don't want to talk to anyone. Have you ever been like that? You're just kind of like, oh, I'm in that moment. I'm sitting next to Rick and Beth. I just wanted to worship the Lord and just be here because this is a church. Again, I hope you see that. 
And if that's not, if you're not there and you're missing out, though, that's what I'm trying to say. It's not out of obligation. So they, what did they do? It says they devoted themselves. The word devoted means to persist in. And look at what they prioritized. That's how I look at it. They prioritized in their life. I do believe that we can prioritize different things. We could be devoted to many things, and many of them are good things. As a father, I want to be devoted to my wife, to my children. A professional is devoted to his profession. Yes, those are true. But I would say, well, how are your priorities right now? Beginning of year, what a great thing to look at. Let's talk about priorities. It's not bad to be devoted to something, but sometimes it is. What if those things become idols in your life where they weren't always bad things, but then they become an idol? The term devoted for the church was their priority of importance, meaning that they loved God and they want to know more about God. See, life is made up of decisions. We know that. You know that. Every day, you're making decisions. And every day, you're making decisions based on your priorities in your life, if you know it or not. They always say, like, look at someone's budget or how they spend their money. You'll see their priorities. And so we see that here. And so each day, there's this warring for this thing called your time and your life and priorities. And we have to manage it all and balance it all. And I doubt that. Any Christian in this room would say, look at how the early church devoted themselves to teaching of God's word, to fellowship with one another, to communion and prayers and praying for one another. I bet everyone would agree and say, yes, those are important. Yes, that is good. But if I would say, how about today? How about you? I wonder how many of you would say, well, that was good for them because they had more time than I do. Can I tell you something? There are still 24 hours in a day for the early church, too. That hasn't changed. What has changed, though, I think, is we've made ourselves busy with lesser things. So about priorities, as they didn't have more time than we did, we may have allowed other things to creep in, and they're not necessarily always bad things. I read an interesting article that was a little older, but it was doing about the attention span of an adult. And you may think you have a short attention span. Well, let me read this to you. In 2000, before the digital revolution, it was only 12 seconds for the adult. (laughs) 12 seconds is our attention span. That was in 2000. Do you think it's gotten better or worse? (laughs) But since then, it's dropped down to eight seconds. Here's to put things in perspective. A goldfish has an attention span of nine seconds. We're losing to goldfish. <laughs> so as we find ourselves more easily distracted, that's the problem. It's a priorities. The early church did not have the technological distractions like we do today. I would agree with that. But they still had distractions. In Matthew chapter 8, Jesus gives this, or there's this conversation that Jesus has in verse 18. It says, Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. Now a scribe came up to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests. 
but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And another one of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own. At first, this may seem kind of like really insensitive of Jesus. Like, oh, wouldn't you want him to bury his dad? That seems so harsh. Well, to kind of help understand this, his father didn't die yet. His father wasn't even on his deathbed. It was this phrase of saying, like, let me enjoy the time with my family. And then when my dad dies, then I'll have the time. It's like, I'll make the time after these things. They still had an issue of priorities back then, just like we do. How are your priorities? Decisions, distractions, they have existed then, they exist today. So how about you? You may say, but, but pastor, you don't know all that I have to do. If you only followed me around for the day, you would see how busy I am. I would want to pray more, but I just can't because I have to do this. Or I want to read my Bible, but I have to get up really early because of this. On one hand, I'll just be frank and say those are excuses. Excuses are like belly buttons. We all have them. They all stink. (laughs) There's other phrases for that one, too, but I don't go there. But Luke describes what they were devoted to. Says what? First, they were devoted to the, themselves to the teaching of the apostles. This would be the Old Testament, but also the New and what they shared. The early church gathered in the local synagogue or in a home. Like the early church here gathered most likely in John Mark's mother's home. And that's where they were. Uh, the New Testament that we have is the teaching of the apostles. And it was to the different churches, but it's for us today. So they persisted in God's word. How are we persisting in God's word? How are you? I mean, granted, I think we all could say we could do better. I think that could be a general statement. But let me just ask, how are you doing that? And not because... To guilt you and say, well, I did two hours a day and I'm going to do four hours next week each day. I'm like, I'm not talking about that. To be persisted in, devoted in, meaning that you understand the value of God's word, that you love God's word. It's the forefront of your mind. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and spirit of joints and marrow, and discerning thoughts and intentions of the heart. Like, he's saying this is the value of God's word. It's not just any book. Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses. Did you know each verse talks about the value of God's word? That you would meditate day and night. That's the idea of persisting in. But the word of God becomes one of many things probably that we have to guard against. You can even guard against that checklist of things in the morning. Like I have my list and very beginning is God's word. So check mark and I'm good. Okay, move on to the next thing. And now you just kind of compartmentalize God's word of the task of the day. 
what I'm trying to push and what the early church did was to consume them. It just went through them. It was their minds that they would think about throughout the day. It was what they talked about and shared about. It says, hey, let me tell you about God's word. That's the idea here. That's the idea when we approach God's word. You can be devoted to the word of God. You can understand God's word. The Christian has received the Holy Spirit to understand God's word. So it says they were devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Next it says, and to fellowship. The Greek word here is koinonia. It's the harmonious unity of believers. I love that. It means that we're in harmony together. We get to move together. And we understand functional of life together. It's also a, mean that, a word that means partnering or sharing. And sometimes we talk about fellowship as like, okay, there's a church potluck, so it's fellowship time. Uh, but it's way beyond that, and I hope you know that. It's a cliche phrase that you hear a lot today, and I apologize for using it, but it's like living life together. That's the idea of fellowship, uh, that we're invested in one another's life. Uh, you actually care about what's going on with me, and I care about with what's going on with you. That when little Johnny gets something, the prize, we're excited together because Johnny's part of the family. Uh, when you're grieving, we're grieving too because this has affected the family. That's the idea of fellowship, is that we define in the sense of our community to one another. It's part of our DNA how are you doing in fellowship with one another? Pastor, I'm just busy. You don't know about my work week. I don't have time. Let me ask you again, how is your fellowship? We actually need one another. I need you. You need me. That's the body of Christ. And if you're neglecting in fellowship, let me ask you, how are your priorities? Think through that. What does that look like? There's many ways we can have fellowship with one another, but this is the body of Christ. Diedrich Bonhoeffer in his well-known book, Life Together, and he write, defines it this way. Christianity means community through Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. No Christian community is more or less than this. Whether it is brief, single encounter, or daily fellowship of years, Christian community is only this. We belong to one another only through and in Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be in Christ. We are together. That's the Christian community. And so that's what's amazing is it's not just any community. Because you could say, well, I live in this community in Everson or Deming, Baker area. No, no. We are community together. Verses 44 through 45, it describes what the fellowship looked like. And they all who believed were together. Again, there's that unity. And had all things in common. And they were selling the possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So again, this is where they're like, oh, there's a need that needs to be met. Let me help. And it wasn't just someone with means saying, well, here, let me give you the money. People that maybe didn't have the means said, I know I could sell this and I can help them out. That's the community of Christ. This community of fellowship is with one another. It involves meeting together. 
Let me give you like kind of like low-hanging fruit, one of those ways you could start having fellowship if it's neglecting in your life. Number one, come a little early to service. If you're like, man, it's hard, I'm rushing out the door, and <clears throat> I'm here right when like the first note's being played. Okay, I get it, but maybe prepare yourself to come a little early the week before, like five minutes, try 10 minutes, and then you could start striking up a conversation with someone. I know this is probably hard for all the introverts in the room. I get it. Um, you're like, I don't want to know. But this is, again, fellowship is like, let me go out of my way, my way. It's not about me. It's about we. And how do I get to say hi to someone I don't know? Then how can I ask the Lord to help me to have a conversation that's a little deeper than how's the weather? Or sorry about the Seahawks losing to the 49ers. Go Niners. Uh, like, you know, it's not, it's not one of those kind of conversations, but a little bit deeper. What is the Lord showing you? Hey, how can I pray for you? What's new? What did the Lord do this week? See how that conversation shifted into something a little deeper. Try not to rush out of here after service. I understand when emergencies happen or when the pastor goes really long. I apologize. I get that. But just what I'm trying to ask is, would you be mindful of, it's not about you, but we, it's other people. That's the idea here. Let me push it a little bit further. Have you desired to be in fellowship? One of those ways is through small groups or groups that meet throughout the week. And we have different ways that happens. We have groups that meet in homes, which I would encourage you. And as we started, but would you pray about that? Because in that you're in this community of other people and you can meet needs within that group. You can talk to each other about the deeper things and the fun things. We have Bible studies that meet throughout the week on Wednesday night, Thursday morning with the ladies. There's a lot of different ways, but have you thought about that? But Pastor, you don't know my schedule. I don't. Maybe you need to ask the Lord to help you with managing things and how would that work? How are you contributing to the body of Christ? Another way, maybe you're like, I can't commit to a, a weekly gathering like that, but I want to open up my home. Have you thought about hosting a meal for someone in the church to say, come on over. Let me have fellowship. Let me do this. I know I could do that. That's a good start. Because it happens not just here on Sunday, but it needs to happen throughout the week. Remember, living the life together. We're in this together. We're with one another. Next, they devoted themselves to prayer, and I need to wrap this up soon. Uh, they devoted themselves to prayer. This is constant, joyful prayer, acknowledge the presence of God in the midst of people. Being devoted to prayer is acknowledging that only God can lead unbelievers to repentance. It's us joining together saying, the gospel needs to go out. Being devoted in prayer is acknowledging that as God's church, that we are submissive to him and his authority, that we want to say, be a light to this world. Knowing Jesus is the chief shepherd, are you devoted to prayer? This happens, something that I would encourage you to know, it happens individually as well as corporately. One of the ways that is kind of cool, I, Kylie made this little booklet that just basically goes, you could have it in your Bible. So since you're devoted to Bible reading now, uh, now you could be devoted to praying for the church. And in it is just basically names, no personal information, but just names of people in our church. There's 12 pages of names. A little less than two a day. 
two, two pages. They're not big pages. You can have your time in the morning and say, Lord, I want to pray for Jerry Anderson. Lord, I don't, may not know what's going on in his life, but I want to lift him up. I love that he loves writing about you and pointing people to you. But you can have him continue to do so. Ray and Lois Badgero. Lord, I want to pray for them and their mission that they have in Canada to the First Nations. Lord, I want to lift them up that you would use them and see them. You're like, I may not have seen them in a while, but I pray for them and what they're doing. It doesn't have to be long. And you may even say, like, I don't know if they have any prayer requests. It doesn't matter. That's one way you could be devoted in prayer and just lifting up the body. We have our corporate meetings where we gather before in church, and I love it. Eight o'clock we gather. I'm more like 8.15 because I'm doing things here, but they wait for me. Um, and it's where we get to come and we pray for the church for today. We pray for you to hear God's word. We lift it up and we go to and do that. But maybe you're like, but I'm busy. It's hard for me to get up. Maybe some of the reasons you don't, it's like I don't pray out loud and I may be embarrassed other people seem to pray clearer than I do or know what to say. I don't know what to say. I do believe that there's a duty for the body of Christ to pray together. So as they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, teaching and fellowship, the bringing bread, which I'll get to, and prayers, guess what that means? They were praying together. Maybe a good place to start is again, before someone walks out the door and says, can I just pray for you? And you're like, I haven't ever done this before. But Lord, I pray for, insert the name, that you would go forth before them this week. Oh, that's it. But maybe that's a good place to start. Are you devoted in prayer? As I kind of wrap this up, and I'm sorry, but there's a lot here. Like you could spend each week just talking about each one of these things. Um, it says, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. It says, then they were praising God at verse 47, found favor that the Lord was adding to the church. Uh, I think this is a sign of a healthy church, too, is that you're just in awe of what God is doing. You love God's word. You love God's people. You pray for God's people and for God to do a work, and you're just in awe. I hope you're in awe of God. And it's not by anything that we do. It's all what God has done. Reflect the gospel. This is a picture of a church that is alive, not a dead church. We have a living God who calls his church to be alive, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to go forward in boldness. That's what we're called to do. And I purposely saved this to the end because we're going to have this. But it says they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Um, that could be interpreted as having a meal, but usually it's referring to the Lord's Supper, communion. And very fitting, we're going to have communion today as a church. And so if you have the elements, the raise, uh, you have them, no worries. But if you don't have them, just raise your hand. I see Mike and Rocky walking around. So if you need them, raise your hand. This is something that, as a church, we're called to do in a continuous way uh, for us at Romans once a month. And this was something we kind of normally do at the beginning of the month, but waited today. Uh, allows me to be able to be here with you and to do it together. Uh, but it's a time of reflection to remember what Jesus did for us. 
You know, the early church did this because they were like, look at what Jesus did on our behalf. Just like we do it today, look what Jesus did on our behalf. We're sinners. We've wronged God. We're in need of God's grace. We can't save ourselves. God, who is loving and steadfast in love, has provided a way. Has through his son, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, who lived perfectly, who took on your sin and my sin, who died a horrible death on the cross, who was buried and rose from the grave three days later, conquering sin and death. We're called to do and remember that what Jesus did for you, for us. But I love the fact that we do this, and it says the early church did it together, because that means as a church, as a body of Christ, we're moving together to remind ourselves together, but also we get to celebrate what Jesus did together. So we're going to do that together right now. There's a couple things I want to express first. One, um, we want to make sure we have the right attitude and approach communion together. And one of the ways that I feel that we could do this is having a time of just we're quiet, that we could confess before God. Uh, the Bible says if we confess our sin, that God is faithful and just to what? Forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That means we say, here it is, God. Now, for some of you, you may have had some blatant things that you're like, yeah, I need to confess that because you just know. And maybe there's some things that are that you're unaware of. And it's something that we need to cast the Lord say, please help me, Lord, to confess things that aren't pleasing to you that I'm not aware of. Maybe it's some pride. Some resentment and bitterness. Some anger. This is where you're saying, God, you know me. I want to be open before you and transparent. And what a great thing to know is that as we confess, what does he promise? Forgiveness, church. But the other aspect of this, too, is communion is for the family of God. And so for a non or unbeliever, someone who's not a Christian, they shouldn't partake in this because it'd be like, well, I don't know what you're doing or why. And you're just going through the motions. No, this is something that's meaningful. But instead of passing, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, could I invite you in as he does? He says, come to me. He stands at the door of your heart and knocks. If everyone hears his voice and opens the door, what does he do? He comes in. If we call in the name of the Lord, what does he promise? You will be saved. This is repenting from sin and turning to him. And so I'm going to pray, and then we're just going to have some quiet time. Confess. You know, I always say, like, we're always blind to, like, the stuff on our face, and I'm so thankful for God giving us, like, wives and friends that, hey, you got something on your face? Like, that's where we're saying, God, I probably got stuff on my face. I need you to reveal it. Like, that's what we're asking. And maybe some stuff you're like, yeah, I know. And then we'll partake together, okay? Let's pray. God, thank you again for your word and the reminders as we go forward. And just my prayer for this church, for our church, your church, God. <laughs> we would pursue after you. Maybe that's even just to slow down, to learn how to say no to things. But to run to you and to rest in you. God, as we have this time of communion, we want to remember what 
Jesus did for us. And if there's anyone here that doesn't know Jesus, that this would be a time that they call on Jesus' name. They're promised to be saved. This is a reflection, not just saying, okay, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe, Jesus, that you lived without sin and perfectly, even though I don't. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for me, which I deserve for my sin, my wrongness against you, God. I believe that you, Jesus, was buried and you rose from the grave three days later, that you are alive, you conquered sin and death, and because of that, there's a hope I have of heaven, eternal life that only you give. So I pray for anyone here that would do that. Pray for the church now, as we have this time together, that you would bring to light things, Lord, that aren't pleasing to you, even the little things. And we would view them not as little, but as against you. And we just want to please you, God, and live for you. Maybe it's even talking about our time and priorities, and we get to confess that before you. Thank you, God, for the promise that you, God, if we confess, you forgive us. Thank you. So as we enter this time, would you go before us, Lord? The Holy Spirit would move and talk to us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. And if you would like more information, please visit RCBC Bellingham.